Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping new and aspiring instructional designers get the knowledge, skills, and confidence to stand out in the field and land their first corporate instructional design job. I'm your host, Jill Davidian, and think of this podcast as a way to put my over 20 years of corporate ID experience in your back pocket. I've helped over 500 new instructional designers successfully transition into the field, and I know what hiring managers are looking for. Whether you're looking for a career change and exploring if instructional design is right for you, or you know you want to become an ID and have no idea how to get started, you are in the right place. Join me each week for actionable guidance as we explore how to build your portfolio, transform your resume, and interview with confidence. Hi, everyone. So excited to be back with you for another episode. So this is my 11th episode, and I can't believe I've already reached this point. I'm sure many of you are wondering when I'm going to start bringing some guests on, and the answer is very soon. January was a really busy month with my Instructional Design Jumpstart workshop and the launch of our new website and, of course, this podcast. I feel like another year has already passed, and it's only February. If you missed the Instructional Design Jumpstart workshop, we're going to be having another one in April, and the link to pre-register is in the show notes, which are on our new website. You should definitely check that out if you haven't already. So back to when I'm starting to bring guests on. I'm typically a very last minute person with everything I have going on and interviewing someone else really doesn't lend itself to being last minute like recording a solo episode does. So I'm giving myself into the end of February to get in the groove of having a podcast and getting my ducks in a row so that I can start lining up some interviews. My goal is to bring at least one successful ID transition story of someone who has recently transitioned into ID from another field and one hiring manager, recruiter, or expert in the field every month. This will kick off in March. Now, I have a long list of people that I want to bring on the podcast, so that's definitely not an issue at all. I just have to get all my ducks in a row, and so it's going to be happening very soon. So for today's topic, I want to talk about training delivery methods or modalities that we design and develop as instructional designers. I want to explain the difference between them and when you would use each one in what situation. You'll often see these listed on job descriptions, so it's important that you know what they are. And I have four reasons for why this is important. The first is so you can consider if you would enjoy doing all of these things. You might decide you only want to do one or another, or you might be open to multiple. The second reason is that you want to be able to speak to them in interviews and you want to be able to know the difference between them. The third is that you want to be able to create portfolio samples in all of these modalities if you're open to designing in them, and that's going to make you more marketable. If you only create portfolio samples in one modality, unless that's the only modality you want to work in, you're going to narrow your chances of getting a job. And the fourth reason is that you want to choose the right delivery method for the learning that you're designing when you're on the job. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today as well. So the first one we're going to talk about is e-learning. E-learning is far and away the most common training delivery method out there, and it's really becoming much more common thanks to COVID. Now, I started developing e-learning back in 2005, and it was pretty new then, but over the years, it has become much more common. It's probably used in about 80% of learning now, and don't quote me on that statistic, but most organizations are either using e-learning now or they're very close to starting. So what is e-learning? E-learning is online asynchronous learning, meaning there is no instructor and the learner takes the course at their own pace, often on their own time. I know for many educators, 
what you all did when you were teaching online, you called e-learning. Now, if you were actually teaching live with your students, we're going to talk about that later, that's not actually e-learning in the corporate sense. But if you had materials and things that your students went through asynchronously, you could technically call that e-learning. But in the corporate sense, it's a little bit different. So if you've already had to take one of those courses where you click through the screens and maybe had a quiz at the end, that was e-learning. Many of us have had to take compliance trainings, think IT security, don't share your password, phishing scams and not phishing with a phishing pole, but the one where they can get into your computer, sexual harassment, bloodborne pathogens, all those fun and exciting trainings. People often remember compliance training because that's what pretty much everybody has to take. What many people don't know about is some of the cool stuff we get to do as instructional designers, where we create training for subsets of people and use scenarios and all kinds of cool things that we'll talk about in a later episode. So like I said, with e-learning, there is no instructor. Everyone takes the training at their own time, and it's 100% virtual. It's usually uploaded to a learning management system, which tracks who takes it and who doesn't because no one is sitting in a classroom to sign their name on the attendance sheet. Now, e-learning in the corporate world is not created inside the learning management system like Canvas or Blackboard. It's created outside and uploaded to a learning management system. Canvas and Blackboard are not used in corporate instructional design. We will definitely discuss that more in detail in a future episode. Now, the most difficult thing about e-learning is that the screen has to carry the load as there's no instructor. We can't just dump text on the screen, yet we often have a lot to say. So we have to figure out how to say what we want to say in a visually stimulating way. The courses have to be engaging. They have to be interactive. They have to keep the learner's attention because when it's virtual, it's even harder to keep their attention. People could be multitasking, checking their email, talking to a colleague, and not paying attention to your course. And if they don't pay attention, they're not learning anything. They're not going to retain the material later on. Now, virtual instructor-led training, or VILT, or VILT as it's often called, is the next most used method, but it's way down the list. I would say it's used about 15% of the time, but again, that is just my best guess. I really don't know for sure. It's also 100% virtual as the name implies, but there is an instructor and it's synchronous, meaning all the learners are logged in to do the training at the same time. Think Zoom trainings or in corporate, it would be Microsoft Teams trainings. If you don't know what that is, you'll likely become familiar with it at a later time, but it's basically the corporate version of Zoom. Now the instructor is teaching the learning material just like they would in a real classroom, except it's all on screens and everything is virtual. Now, just because an instructor is delivering the material and you are not the instructor, that doesn't mean that you don't play a role as an instructional designer. Instructional designers actually do design virtual instructor-led training courses as well. We include activities, engagement exercises, and ways to check for understanding because there is no way to pay attention to body language when you're teaching virtually unless everyone has their camera on. The training still needs to be engaging, not death by PowerPoint where the instructor just reads off a screen and everyone is asleep or checking their email. It's even more important that it's engaging when it's virtual because people can be doing anything, just like we said with e-learning. We will talk more about how to create engaging virtual instructor-led training in a future episode. Instructor-led training is just that, training led by an instructor, but in person. Instructor-led training is not quite used as much anymore. It still seems to be used a bit in healthcare and often in call centers because call center reps often go through four, six, or even eight weeks of new hire training, and that really has to be done in person. 
There's lots of hands-on practice, as you can imagine, because there's no way to spend six weeks listening to someone talk without practicing and actually learn anything. So that is also easier done in person. But for most industries, ILT is on its way out or it's already gone. But it's good to know what it is and what the difference is in case you do run into it in a job description. Another modality that is pretty commonly used these days is microlearning. Microlearning is any small learning nugget. It can be a video, a job aid, or PDF, or even a quick reference guide. The key is it's quick. Someone can learn something in less than five minutes, maybe 10 at the most. Think TikTok. How much do we learn on there about household hacks? That's microlearning. It's meant to be a quick hit to learn something new, but not consume a lot of employees' busy schedules. Now, another term you may or may not know is blended learning. You will see this in job descriptions, and it means that you combine two learning methods that we just discussed. It could also be different learning methods, but the one I just mentioned are the ones that are used the most often. So say you have an e-learning course that you design and develop, and then you create a job aid or quick reference for the employees to take back to their desk and tape up for future reference. That's using two learning methods, and that's blended learning. I want to talk for a second about the situations in which you would use each one of these methods. If your training is going to be long, for example, the call center training, you're going to want to use instructor-led training because training somebody for six weeks all day virtually is just not going to work. If you have shorter training, you could use e-learning or virtual instructor-led training. Now, e-learning tends to be the shortest. E-learning modules tend to be about 30 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe 45, at the very most an hour. If you have more training than that, you can break it up into smaller modules that they will take at various points. Virtual instructor-led training can be a bit longer. You wouldn't want to sit on a screen looking at an instructor teach for eight hours straight, but you could probably do it for two or three hours, whereas e-learning can't go that long. That would have to be broken up if there was a three-hour e-learning. So thinking about the length of time that this training is going to take to be trained to learners, depending on if it's part of a bigger training program or it's just a very basic concept, that's going to play a part as to what learning modality you're going to choose. Next, you want to consider the complexity of the content. If it's more complex, virtual instructor-led training might be better or instructor-led training if you can do that. But if you can't, and like I said, virtual instructor-led training is much more common, it's a great way to teach complex content because there is a live instructor there to answer questions. It's very hard to teach difficult, complex content when the screen has to carry the weight of the learning completely with no instructor and learners can't ask questions. The other thing you might want to consider is if there's any equipment that is involved that learners will need to practice on. Because practicing, of course, is the best way to learn. And sometimes we can simulate that. But if there is specific equipment that they use at their job, it may be hard to simulate. For example, if you're training employees of a manufacturing plant, they may not be able to take e-learning or virtual instructor-led training because they may actually need to be in front of the equipment that they're learning about. You may also want to consider the environment that your audience works in. If they are on a manufacturing floor, they might not have access to computers the way that someone working in an office setting or from home would. They may not be able to take e-learning at their own pace and may need to be shuffled into a room for virtual instructor-led training or instructor-led training taken all at the same time. Now, what if all employees that are in the same role need to be trained on something? For example, every call center rep needs to be trained on a new process or procedure that's coming out for that call center. VILT and ILT are all synchronous, which means everyone needs to get trained at once. If everyone is getting trained, no one is working. 
often e-learning is used in these situations because the call center reps or whoever the audience is can take the training one by one in their own time and not disrupt the flow of business. Also, what if employees are dispersed geographically? That's where e-learning and VILT would be needed over ILT. For VILT, if the instructor was located somewhere else and not in the same place as the learners, no problem. It used to be super expensive to fly instructors and learners around to take courses when ILT was the norm, but that's not the case anymore. The remote workforce has increased the need for e-learning and VILT, as I said earlier, and it's also way less expensive. And so a lot of companies will move towards that when they have geographically dispersed workforces. Now, I want to be clear that as instructional designers, we do not facilitate. We don't serve as the instructor. So even though we create virtual instructor-led training and instructor-led training in some cases, we don't actually serve as a facilitator for those courses. In some cases, you may be hired for a hybrid role where you will be training people as well as developing and designing training. That would be a hybrid trainer slash ID role, but a 100% ID role would not involve being an instructor or facilitating learning. Remember that when you're deciding which modality you're most interested in designing training for, you don't have to focus on just one. There are companies that employ all or most of these methods because they're designing lots of different types of learning, and it may be different time frames, different complexities, all of these different factors that you need to consider. And part of your job may be to decide what modality you are going to design in, and then you will design in that modality. It could be virtual instructor-led training one month, e-learning the next. Other companies may only want to do e-learning because that's what makes sense to focus on for their workforce. You can really go whichever direction you want, but the more open you are to learning how to design in different modalities, the more job possibilities open up. Also, the more samples that you have across different modalities in your portfolio, the more it's likely to get looked at. Hopefully this was helpful as you consider what you want to do and you start creating your portfolio samples. I hope to see you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career podcast. I hope you've gained valuable insights that will help you on your instructional design journey. Did you have a moment of clarity? Maybe you have some additional questions. Let's discuss in my Facebook group, which can be found in the description below and in the show notes at learningstrategyanddesign.com slash podcast. If you love the show and want to hear more, follow the podcast and give me a rating and review. Let me know if there's a specific topic you'd like me to cover or a guest you'd like me to have on the show. You can also check out more resources for breaking into instructional design on my website, learningstrategyanddesign.com. Stay tuned next week as I bring you more tips, tools, and strategies to jumpstart your instructional design career.